There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. We're certainly are thankful for Brother Chuck Barnes, who preached yesterday on the podcast. We weren't planning on using anyone to preach for us that quickly. However, we've been kind of run under with appointments and things going on and trying to get prepared for the baby to come. And so uh, I thought it was appropriate to go ahead and use Brother Barnes' message. Already had some folks reach out and tell us that uh, Brother Barnes' message was a help to them, was a strength to them. And so we certainly appreciate that. You probably noticed this peculiar accent, and I do say peculiar, only in the sense of uh, it's a unique to the state of Maine, a unique accent. And so Brother Barnes, of course, is a Maina. And uh, he's a native Maine, and he's probably going to stay in Maine, live in Maine, and die in Maine. And uh, yet he is a church planter, and we thank the Lord for that. If you'd like to reach out to Brother Barnes, he'd be an excellent missionary to support, and uh, he's worthy of support. We're certainly thankful for that. This isn't just some kind of self-promoting thing that I'm saying, but I believe he's worthy that he's revived several churches in the state of Maine, some of which are still continuing on today. Right now, he's down at the Tremont Baptist Church there in Seal Cove, and that work is pressing on for the glory of God. We certainly appreciate him. I appreciate that podcast yesterday. Now, today, I want to take a different look at the Word of God in Psalm 18, and I'm going to exhort a little bit on just some things that have been kind of heavy upon my mind and upon my heart here in Psalm 18. And to do that, I believe we need to look at the crucifixion. And so I want to take a look at a couple of passages here. And then with the Lord's help, we're going to turn to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to read uh, the accounts of the crucifixion. It's going to lay the groundwork. So it's going to be a little bit more tedious today for some of you. Some of you, this is probably be too familiar, and you might uh, have disinterest in it. Uh, yet at the same time, there's some things that we can learn from the Word of God in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And so we see here in Psalm 18, in verse 4, he says, The sorrows of death compassed me. And the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. And then he said this in verse 6, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. And he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. So again, we see now Jesus Christ. And we see the faith of Christ. We see he is speaking here through the prophet. And that's one of the things that's important for us to understand. Now, there were men three or 400 years ago that did not understand this. There were men probably in the last 100 years, and I do mean good men. I don't mean heretics or men uh, that were uh, out there just preaching their own gospel. But no, I mean good men, sound men. But there's things they did not understand. And so what I'm preaching today and what I'm going to be dealing with in these Messianic Psalms is 2,000 years of light being shown and then 400 plus years of the King James Bible and the study of the King James Bible and men that believe the King James Bible. You know, my knowledge is limited. Uh, my education is limited. The fact of what my mind can absorb is limited. And so what we hope and pray is that somebody will take 
this word and take these passages and run with them and obtain much more information from the word of God than I have ever had. I take all the input I've had from men over the years, and I've had good men around me, and I take all that input and I run with it and I preach with it. And then I add my own flavor to it, if you will. I add the Tim McVeigh nuances and Tim McVeigh statements and my personality to the preaching. That's what preaching is. And that's why clones don't work. And that's why uh, cloning men, especially when you try to brainwash them into thinking that they have to be a certain particular way, it has never worked. It's never going to work. And so we see here in the Word of God, I'm preaching this with a lot of light. I'm preaching this with knowledge of the holy things of God that other men did not have until this day and this hour. They did not understand these things. And so we see in the crucifixion, I'm going to start in verse 29, if you will, of Matthew 27, verse 29. And when they had played to the crown of thorns, they put upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. So we see the plaiting of the crown of thorns laid upon his head, and we see the blood begin to flow, of course, from his scalp. We see that by faith, because we believe God. We see the reed in his right hand. They're mocking him as the king. They're uh, making light of him as their king. They're setting light by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They spit upon him. What a vile thing. What a reprehensible thing. And they took the reed and smote him on the head. After that, they mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, of Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him. And part of his garments casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders, said he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. That these also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land under the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they had heard that, they said, This man called for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, now that's the passage we just read. It was important to cover the crucifixion so that we could look at that passage in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Now had the Jews believed God, 
had they believed the testimony of God, which is the word of God, had they believed David in the Psalms, had they believed these things, they would have seen that he was the son of God. That's why that centurion standing by, he and his band, they believed that Jesus Christ was the son of God. It was a self-proclamation. The father himself came and proclaimed him on that mount to be the son of God. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the Lord himself had come and proclaimed him to be the son of God. All the scripture pointed to him to be the son of God. And might I say, if there was one scripture that was not fulfilled in Jesus Christ, then he could not be the son of God. One of the problems with the new perversion is that they take away the deity of Jesus Christ so often. They leave out words concerning Jesus Christ, the son of God. And one of the places that they sneak up on you is they leave them out of the prophecy. They go and they change the prophecy of the word of God, and they change it prophetically. And many times the words they change, and the way they make it sound, it could be Lucifer or it could be Jesus Christ. That's why they're antichrist. They're against Christ. They are not the word of God. They're not a, a, a lesser translation. No, they're, they're profane. They're unclean. They're antichrist. They're vile. Yet men tote them, and good men tote them. I mean, nice men, friendly men, nice ladies, friendly ladies, religious ladies tote them, unwittingly tote them. There could be some safe folk to switch to those versions, not understanding the Son of God. And so it's important to see Jesus Christ in the Psalms. It's important for us to see him and to know the fellowship of his suffering. Part of the reason that we are in the mess we are in religious circles today is that we don't suffer today. We have medicine to take care of needs. We have uh, the physical maladies we do not suffer. We have counseling services and daycares for the children. And we have everything else under the sun that we don't have to suffer like they did in days of yore. We have watering systems for the garden so that we don't go hungry in time of drought. And we have medicine and veterinarians for the animals. And we have grocery stores on every corner. And we have all the clothing is made in China, shipped over here in big shipping containers, and it's dirt cheap at Walmart. And we have a good economy still. I know the economy's in the drain in America. We're still the wealthiest nation overall in the entire world. And we don't suffer. And therefore, because we don't suffer, we don't have to pray. We don't have to implore God. We don't have to plead with God. You realize those old timers in time of drought would beg God if they had sinned to show them that they might repent. The old timers in time of hunger, they'd say this must be the judgment of God. And they would plead with God. And they would beg God. But I say to you today, I believe the prosperity is the judgment of God because men are not seeking God. Why do they need to seek God? I mean, there's people, they, their cell phones cost about a third of what my first car cost. And that's not an exaggeration. Why? Because we're prosperous in America. We don't suffer. Therefore, we don't know the fellowship of his suffering. I don't know the fellowship of his suffering. Sure, I understand that contradiction of sinners against himself, and there's other things in that fellowship I understand, and I certainly fellowship uh, with Jesus Christ and have that time with Jesus, but I don't fully understand that suffering that our forefathers went through, because I myself don't suffer like that in the flesh, and I don't suffer enough in my flesh. I don't have uh, lifelong diseases, and I have not lost children uh, outside of the womb to the grave, and I have not lost a wife to the grave, and I thank God for that. I praise his name for that. I bless the name of the Lord. I've not suffered those things. I don't want to suffer those things, and therefore, it's hard for us to understand that fellowship with Jesus Christ. So how do we understand him? Well, we go into the Psalms, and we go into the law, and we go into the prophets of God, 
and we see Christ. How do we see him? We see him in the word of God, and we know it's him. And again, this is why when I started this project, I said, I'm going to do the Messianic Psalms. And I had no idea it would only be in Psalm 18 in the, in the middle of April. I thought for sure it would probably be on Psalm 50 by now. I didn't realize the depth of what I was getting myself into. But I want us to see Christ. And I want us to see the Christ of the crucifixion in our text in Psalm 18. Tomorrow, I'm going to return to Psalm 18. But right now, let me just read the account again of the book of Mark with Jesus Christ. They began to smite him in verse 18, salute him rather, in verse 18, hail king of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed, did spit upon him, and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put on his own clo- put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon of Cyrenian, who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which has been interpreted the place of the skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, what every man should take. It was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. They that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads, and saying, Ah! Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others himself. He cannot save. Here is the literal suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. He suffered the physical death. He's suffering the death of his soul. He's suffering his soul being made an offering for sin. But he's also suffering that contradiction of sinners against himself as they mock him and scoff at him. And he's the son of God, and yet they mock him. They cannot see that he is Christ. When the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. The ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which has been interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, behold, he called Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Luke again deals with the crucifixion. And thank God for Brother Luke dealing with the crucifixion. And he writes on this wise. In verse 34, Jesus, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted this raiment and cast lots. And so again, we see Jesus Christ himself said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they railed on him and mocked him and scoffed at him. But then what Brother Luke adds is this story from the crucifixion. In verse 39 of Luke 23, he says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not... Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, the veil of the temple was rent in the mist. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Brother John writes of the crucifixion and writes on the same wise. 
that we've read in other places, and he tells the same stories that he tells and of the crucifixion. Then the Word of God tells us this in the book of John. He said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. In Psalm 18, our text, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Notice verse 7, and I'll close with this. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken, because he was wroth. Tomorrow, with the Lord's help, we'll look at the crucifixion in Psalm 18. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.